Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat sermon by Rabbi Rebecca Schatz. At the beginning of COVID, a close friend of mine, Ariel Friedtanzer, joined our community, joined Beth Am, to talk about death and dying. She was supposed to be a scholar in residence. That didn't happen. And so she came and did a few webinars with us. She specializes in death and dying and specifically in educating people around the process. Ariel mentioned that we should all be talking more about death. We should be writing wills and advanced directives and making sure that those around us know what it is that we wish to experience and also wish for them to experience in the event of death. It is incredibly hard to begin thinking about our own death and what we might envision or what we might want. But God and Moses did it so why can't we? This week's Parsha is a double Parsha, as I mentioned earlier. As we ramp up to the end of our Torah and we need to combine Parshiot together so that we can get through all of them before Simcha Torah. Nitzavim Vayelech is what we read this morning. And as many of you heard from me last week, Nitzavim is a beautiful Parsha. It's full of wonderful ways for us to feel and know that the Torah was written for me. It's a book of information, of narrative, of law, and of life lessons that are mine. So we're going to talk about Vayelech today. Vayelech begins with God preparing Moses for his time out. Moses knows that he was grounded after hitting the rock, and though the people are about to enter the land, he will not. Moses begins by saying, I'm 120 years old and can no longer be active. And more than that, God said I'm not entering the land, so I will not be entering the land with you, though God will be. God will take care of our enemies, on your path, and Joshua will be your new leader. Moses then writes down the Torah and gives it to those who will enter the land. And then, the big moment, God instructs Moshe and Joshua to enter the tent of meeting, and God says, im Soon, you are to lie with your fathers, and I know, I, God, know, that after your death, the people will forsake me and will assimilate and will find other interesting religions and other interesting people and break the covenant with me, God. So God continues, I'll get extremely angry. I'm going to abandon them. I'm going to hide myself. And when bad things happen, they'll realize that it's because I, God, am not with them. But I will remain hidden because of all the bad things that people are doing in finding other gods. So then God asks Moshe to write a song and teach it to the people so that they always have witness of God being their deity. Moses is about to die, and yet it feels as though God is also preparing us for God's departure as well, or for God's anticipated hiddenness. We think of God as outside of time, before the beginning and after the end. But here, God seems to be preparing us for a distancing between us or at least a big change in our relationship that seems like that of human death. Just as we might write a will to give order and instruction to the people and circumstances we leave behind, God is instructing Moses as God's agent to write God's will. Ibn Ezra, the 11th century scholar, says that what God meant by I shall utterly conceal, I shall for sure hide myself, is that if the people call out to God, God will not answer. The analogy is to a man who cannot be seen. 
So no one knows what he's going to do. God's concealment is the absence of Mo, in the absence of Moshe, as we begin to nation build for the first time, will leave us without our earlier confidence that God, or God's intercessor, Moshe, will guide and protect us. God is concealing God's self so that our questions will no longer be directly answered, but it seems that we will still feel a response. Though we cannot see or hear God any longer, we can feel the effects of God on our life. Sforno, the 15th century Spanish teacher says, not like the people once thought that I was no longer in their midst. Wherever they are, my God's presence is with them. As our sages said in the Talmud in Megillah, wherever the Jewish people have been exiled, God's presence accompanies them. However, it does not manifest itself by saving them from their oppressor. God will be with us, but not like with Moshe. God will no longer fight our battles or show up in a cloud of smoke when we are in trouble. God isn't reaching down to take our hand, but might take ours when we reach out. We are left to ourselves to know when we will feel God's presence. We approach the high holidays with long lists of what ifs. What if in the coming year I am alone? What if in the coming year I am sick? What if in the coming year I am blessed with wonderful surprises? What if in the coming year my relationship with God feels complicated or grows deeper? The biggest unknown is the looming image of the book of life, a ledger in which our name might be written. But God's living will isn't about that as much as it is about lessons we need to learn, relearn, or understand anew, the life we should strive to live and the comfort of your presence. God and Moses focus us on the lessons we need to learn, the life we should strive to live, and the comfort of knowing hardships will come, but that your people will be near you. Moses taught the song to the people and wrote down the Torah and charged Yehoshua, be strong and resolute, for you shall bring the Israelites into the land that I promised them on, on oath, and I will be with you. God hopes for God's and Moshe's people that they live lives of fullness and in its complication of success and in its tests of love and in its hurt and of community in times of joy and grief, supportive and attentive. How does any of us prepare those that follow after us family, friends, students, and neighbors. September 11th, 2001, I was in eighth grade. I woke up to a world that I did not understand, a world of fear and a world of destruction, a world where my home, my people, could be tormented and destroyed because of hate. I will never forget, as a 13-year-old, watching people go down with this building so that they did not perish in agony and flames and thinking, how can this be happening? How is this real? Who by fire? Who by water? Who by sickness? It's a lot for a 13-year-old. But as an adult, I realize we don't respond to news of tragedy by looking back at the previous years, Unetanatokef, and say to ourselves, wow, how did I miss that? Who would have thought? We learn from this living will that Moshe writes, that God dictates and that we live, that our lives now need to be a legacy for those who will come after us and a blessing for those who came before us. For those who perished on September 11th, we should work to repair our world and rid people of fear of diversity 
or of race or of religion. For those who perished on September 11th, we should live lives that matter each day, rather than just on those days that have important moments embedded in them. For those who perished on September 11th, and for all of us today, we should write our will for those who come after us to continue living their lives with strength, with support, and with knowledge that we made sure that they were cared for in life, and once they were living with us as a memory. So as Moshe did... And as God instructed, write your living will, praise and instruct, empower and uplift those who follow you, and then read God's living will. Shabbat Shalom. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.